This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. The legal information presented on In Legal Terms is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information conveyed does not create any type of attorney-client relationship. Please consult an attorney provider before making any decisions about your specific legal questions. Welcome to In Legal Terms from MPB Think Radio, the show all about you and your rights. I'm Liz Gill, and I'm with Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law. Hello, Professor Gershon. Good morning, Liz. I hope you're doing well this morning. I am. Not as well as last week. We had a little bit of a cool snap, and it was lovely. Now we're back to August. It's summer. Yeah, it's definitely summer, and my dog is feeling it. She's not. She's not as perky this week as she was last week either. But, uh, but we got a good show today, so people can be inside and or listening to a podcast and listen to Judge Odom. Uh, Judge Troy Odom is from Rankin County. We're really happy to have you on the show, Judge. Uh, J- uh, Judge Odom has been a uh, uh, an adjunct professor at our law school, and uh, we really appreciate him being here today. Could you tell us a little bit about your background, Judge? Well, first of all, it's not. It's an honor to be on the radio show. Thank you for allowing me to be on it. Uh, background, it's first, probably most important for you to understand that I grew up a military brat. I grew up, I was born on an army base. And uh, when I graduated high school in 1993, I was uh, living on a uh, Coast Guard base in Mobile, Alabama, which had a lot to do with shaping who I am now. I got an undergraduate degree in psychology from the University of Southern Mississippi, worked for a while after graduating there at a uh, regional uh, mental health care facility in Hattiesburg, and then uh, attended University of Mississippi School of Law in 1999, graduated in 02, went to work directly with the firm of Blair and Bondurant, worked there for 16 years cutting my teeth on uh, for about the first 10 years of my practice in the federal courts and the state courts of Mississippi, then diversified into a more general chancery practice the last six years of my practice. In uh, 2018, my wife and I made the decision uh, to run for chancery judge in Rankin County. All of 2018, we campaigned uh, through the grace of God uh, was elected in uh, late November 2018, took the bench in January 2019. Here I am a year and a half later, loving the job. Well, we're glad to have you. And, and uh, you know, can you tell us a little bit? You, know, you, you, you were actually an oil and gas lawyer for a time, some time. You were uh, president of the uh, Organization for Oil and Gas Lawyers in Mississippi. So how do you, you get there from the Chancery Court? How is the Chancery Court? <laughs> what, is it, what does it handle, and how is it different from other courts in Mississippi? Well, one of the most difficult things to explain to somebody who's not in the legal field is about all the different types of courts there are in Mississippi. Uh, Most people's interactions with courts are with the municipal courts, so the justice courts, whenever they get a speeding ticket or some other type of misdemeanor infraction. Uh, To put it in most simple terms that I can, The Chancery Court handles domestic relations matters, estate matters, and property litigation matters, and a smattering of other specialized types of cases. 
Well, do you get a jury trial in Chantry Court? You are not entitled to a jury trial in Chantry Court, except in very limited situations, such as a will contest. Otherwise, the Chantry judge is sitting as the trier of fact and the trier of law, which is different from a circuit court where uh, that you see a lot of times on TV with these felony criminal trials where you have a jury sitting over there to the, to the side that's making the decisions of fact. Instead, uh, when there is a court or a case in the Chantry Court, uh, I am making all decisions regarding fact and law and applying the two together. So some of the things I know you mentioned divorce and, and probate, uh, you know, ty- you handle things uh, that are uh, difficult times for people quite often. Um, so that's got to be hard. Um, conservatorships, and we'll talk about those throughout the show as well. But there's some land issues, too. What kind of land issues does the Chantry Court deal with? Well, I, I can't make the blanket statement that we handle all land issues because we don't do evictions. We don't do uh, cases of eminent domain. There are other specialized courts or other courts that handle those types of cases. But when it comes to property disputes, if we need to partition uh, undivided interests uh, apart, we can do that. If we need to grant an easement to access somebody's property, we do that here. If we need to cancel a cloud of title, uh, if there's an issue with the title, we do that in Chantry Court. And also, uh, we determine airship so that when somebody dies owning property in the state of Mississippi and they don't have a will where they leave that property to somebody specific, we determine the airship because in Mississippi, the heirs at law become the owners of property upon the death of somebody that dies without a will. That's a pretty common real property case that comes in Chantry Court. Judge, can you talk a little bit? This is a very strange time for everyone. You know, we, what, how has it been, the court been different during COVID? I mean, have you been able to handle in-person matters at all? We have been, but we've been doing it uh, carefully and making sure that the safety of our litigants, of our court staff, of the, of the attorneys is taken into consideration and kept safe as much as possible. Luckily, in Rankin County, we have large courtrooms, so it's very easy to spread out uh, uh, when having in-person court proceedings. We require masks to be worn within the courtroom at all times unless there is an issue of it's difficult to understand somebody testifying. Uh, We take into consideration concerns of litigants and their attorneys. Uh, if somebody has been tested recently or has been uh, exposed to COVID, we grant continuances liberally so that we're just being as safe as we possibly can, but at the same time, administering justice as quickly and efficiently as we can. Judge Odom, we had a call um, a week or so ago, and I could understand the caller's frustration. I guess they had a smaller court room uh, a smaller courthouse and 
when it before it was your turn to go in, you had to wait outside. And outside in July or August is a hard thing to do in in Mississippi. So, uh, what are some ways individuals could find out what the situation is at their courthouse before they go in? That is a great question, and the answer to it is this. Uh, they can find the phone number of the court administrator uh, and call that court administrator and ask those questions. If they can't get the court administrator, they can ask the chancery clerk who is in charge of the courthouse, who will usually have uh, knowledge of what's going to be, be done. Um, I would make sure that they reach out to, to some type of court personnel so they can know, are we going to have to wait in our car while we socially distance uh, waiting for our case? Or is there plenty of room inside the courthouse to safely distance while waiting for cases? In Rankin County, we have a brand spanking new courthouse. I'd love to show it to you. It has plenty of space for people to wait inside in the cool air conditioning. But I know in other cases... In other counties, they may not have that. So call ahead to some type of court personnel. We're going to continue our discussion with Judge Troy Odom next. And we've just learned that Chancery Court doesn't deal with juries except in limited conditions. But what is going on with jury trials in Mississippi? I'll tell you at least what's going on in Adams and Panola County next. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Hi, I'm Walt Grayson. You can now listen to the wild, weird, and wonderful stories of Mississippi with Mile Marker. Slowly we started, you know, picking these turtles up and saving them. I'll stop traffic, grab one out of the road. And then our friends found out and our vet would call us. Join me as we hit the roads of Mississippi on Mile Marker. We are now a full-fledged, nonprofit turtle rescue. You can listen by going to mpbonline.org slash radio or by using your favorite podcasting app. Mile Marker, a Mississippi Roads podcast. This is In Legal Terms. Not everyone has a chance to listen to our show live. If you've missed any of our program, you can listen to the whole show at inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. It's also available on the MPB Public Media app, as is all our local shows. I'm Liz Gill here with Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. As MPB just reported, the Adams County Circuit Court jury trials will soon be back in session for the first time since March. Adams County 6th District Circuit Court, <laughs> that's hard to say, Circuit Court Judge Deborah Blackwell said jury trials will be moved to the Natchez City Auditorium. That's a lot of room. Beginning the third week of August to comply with the Center for Disease Control and Prevention guidelines, as well as the orders from the Mississippi Supreme the Supreme Court of Mississippi. And also recently, the Supreme Court extended the juror age exemption to 60 years of age. Blackwell said the law provides that if you're 65 or older, you can be exempt from jury duty automatically without any excuses. But because 84 percent of all deaths in Mississippi have been persons 60 or older, 
The Supreme Court has enlarged that exemption requirement. Um, Batesville started uh, using the uh, Panola County started using the Batesville Civic Center as a courtroom on June 1st. So just remember, jury duty might be coming up. Uh, and it might look a little bit different, folks. This morning, we are talking about the Chancery Court with Judge Troy Odom, and we have a phone call. We're going to go to John from Madison. John, thank you so much for being part of In Legal Terms today. What's your comment or question? Uh, I had a quick question for the judge, and I'll hang up and listen. What is the relationship between the Chancery Court and the Chancery Clerk's Office? Are they related in some way or just share a title? Uh, The Chancery Clerk is charged with keeping all of the court files. So they are the uh, repository for the Chancery Court case files. Uh, They also have a unique uh, relationship here in Rankin County insofar as the uh, Mr. Larry Swales, who serves as the Chancery Clerk, is often appointed by the Chancery Court judges to serve as a fiduciary in certain cases, for example, to serve as uh, an executor of a will or a conservator of a person's uh, estate, uh, uh, but our, our offices are connected because of the, the transition of files back and forth, and uh, they, they, there are a number of different ways that the clerk is uh, intricately you know, interwoven with the, the work of the Chantry Court. Thanks, John. We appreciate you calling in. Thank you, John. That was a great question. And, and Judge, uh, I mean, before we get into talking about divorce, uh, judges, you came, you came from practice and you had been in front of the courts, but I know there is training that goes on. I want to put in a plug for my colleague and former Supreme Court Justice Randy Pierce, who is the, the head of the Mississippi Judicial College. Could you talk a little bit about the training that judges go through when they become judges? <laughs> I can tell you this. It's excellent training, and they don't waste a moment on making sure that you get that training. I had not been elected uh, uh, but for a matter of of hours, it seemed, when I was getting emails talking about uh, boot camp that was going to start the next week. So we had a a week-long boot camp. All of the new Chantry Court and Circuit Court judges that were elected and County Court judges, I think there was 21, if I'm not mistaken, throughout the state of Mississippi, new Chantry Court judges uh, when I was elected in 2018. So we had a week of training, uh, and that training was put on by the Mississippi uh, Judicial College. Justice Pierce does an excellent job up there. Other Chantry Court judges taught us during that week-long uh, boot camp, and then also all new judges are required to take a two-week course out of the National Judicial College in Reno, Nevada. Uh, it's called General Jurisdiction, and it is two weeks of intensive classroom-style uh, education on making the transition from practice to being a judge. Excellent training. And, you know, really, Mississippi is the envy of many states in this respect because not many states have a judicial college like the one we have that uh, trains judges. So really, really happy to to work with Justice Pierce 
and, and glad you had that good experience. But, but now let's talk a little bit about divorce, because I know that's one of the areas that you, you spend a lot of your, your time with as a judge in the Chancery Court. How do divorce proceedings work in your court? About 75% of the cases that come before the Chancery Court are domestic relations matters. A lot of those are divorces. Uh, so uh, um, ask the question again. Well, I, I kind of okay. diverted from no, you no, that's for, right. for, for a second, Professor. No, well, you're fine. You're fine. And it was a, it was a, it was a question that had a lot of parts to it in some ways because it really is, you know. What, I guess maybe the best way to say it is: so when when parties come in and want a divorce, what's the first thing that happens in your court? Well, what they in my court is after they file the complaint. Uh, typically, the attorneys, or if they are self-represented, the parties themselves will be in contact with the court administrator immediately to uh, set a hearing for a temporary hearing if the facts of the case require it or uh, show that a temporary hearing would be uh, good. And a temporary hearing is where we just kind of a, apply a Band-Aid to the situation so that these parties and their children can get from point A, which is the filing of the complaint, to point B, which is the final trial on the merits, safely. And so their first contact is going to be uh, setting a temporary hearing and hopefully, if it's up to me, hopefully setting a final trial date as soon as possible so that justice can be done quickly and efficiently. Uh, other than that, they're just contacting us to set hearing dates uh, and to actually have the hearings and the trials. So one of the things that's important, uh, really, when there is a divorce, especially, you know, if there are children involved, is you have to think about things like uh, property division and child support. And so how, how is property divided in a divorce in Mississippi? That's a complicated uh, issue, and it's it's one of the ones that causes most consternation, at least for me. Uh, there's four things, there's four steps we got to go through as Chantry Court judges when making equitable division of property. We've got to first classify whether the part, whether the assets, the the property, is marital or if it's separate. We then have to assign a value to that property which is marital and separate and we then have to using a number of different factors called the ferguson factors then start the equitable division of that property well and judge finally, odom do you have a team of 30 people to help you do all of this? I mean, uh, you know, if uh, if uh, A and B are getting a divorce and they have a house in Pearl, do you have to go on Zillow or uh, Realtor dot whatever and, you know, look to see how much their house is worth for every single case that's on your docket? excellent question and the answer to it is absolutely not i can only uh, make my decision based on evidence that's presented at trial i cannot on my own go uh, on zillow and make determinations of what property is worth i am dependent upon the parties and their attorneys to introduce at trial 
all of the evidence necessary in order to make these decisions. So uh, most of the time that's done through appraisals. And a lot of times parties will agree that we can use one appraiser who's gonna come up with the fair market value of this marital home that needs to be divided. So um, I am limited and a lot of folks, particularly parties who are not familiar with the legal field, don't understand that. Uh, and and that, that takes, that that applies to other areas too, uh, Liz. Not just property division. I, I don't know anything about the dynamics of this family unless it's introduced properly at a trial. You so can't go snoop on it, their Facebook account? I cannot do that. Uh, I am, and, and, and that's what, and the reason for that is to make sure that I'm doing it equitably and neutrally and dispassionately. Uh, that's why uh, having a good attorney that knows how to get the right evidence into trial is so important. This is, this is really such great information, Judge. And, you know, the, the besides property, you know, you have to think about people, too. So there are children involved and which parent, as you mentioned, you can't go into their family dynamic to determine where the children should spend most of their time or where their, you know, where their residential uh, home is going to be. How do you determine that? Well, I can't go into the full family dynamic because I haven't been there since day one when the family started. Uh, but applying the the testimony and the documentation that's introduced at trial, uh, what we do is uh, using the poll star consideration, the most important consideration, and that is what is in the best interests of the children. We apply a set of factors that the Supreme Court has told us trial court judges to look at. We call those the Albright factors. And it's a number of different and important uh, things, lack of a better term, that we need to look at in making a determination on what is best for this child as far as custody is concerned. And then what about child support on top of that? Because, you know, then the, the other aspect is how do how these children supported? Are there factors you look at for child support as well? Luckily, child support is primarily statutory in the state of Mississippi. Uh, there is a specific statute that uh, tells the Chancery Court judges uh, what to look at when determining what child support is going to be. And it's very clear. You take a person, the payor's income from all sources, you uh, make statutory deductions like federal and state taxes and Medicaid and mandatory retirement. You deduct that from the gross income, leaving you eventually with what we call an adjusted gross income. And from there, you apply a percentage depending on how many children are involved in the custody. For example, if it's one child, then that's you take 14% of that adjusted gross income, and that is your base for child support. The court can deviate from that, but it must make specific findings of fact on the record as to why it's deviating from that statutory percentage. And, and I think having that statutory uh, backdrop gives uh, the parties a little bit of comfort. I don't know, uh, but I would imagine that it would 
to know that it's not going to be at the complete whim of somebody, but rather applied to uh, statutory guidelines. We're talking with Judge Troy Odom about Chancery Court in Mississippi. Hey, where is Chancery Court located? I'm going to tell you next. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. I'm Ryder Taff, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives, a fee-only financial advisory and co-host of Money Talks. Each week, we take your personal finance questions and tell you about a money topic we hope you find helpful. Money Talks can be heard Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts can be found on our website, money.mpbonline.org, or on your smart device's podcasting platform. Hey there, it's David Green. You know, there comes a time when you've just got to let go of that old vehicle. Maybe it has lots of great memories, but it's also maybe just taking up space. And selling it can be such a hassle. So here's one thought. Let this station take that vehicle off your hands. Proceeds from the sale benefit this station, and you could get a tax break. Thanks. Donate your car, motorcycle, boat, or RV by going to mpbonline.org. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Professor Richard Gershon is our expert host. I'm Liz Gill. Are you listening to this as a podcast? I hope you are. I love to listen to podcasts, especially when I'm walking my dog, when I'm washing dishes, when I'm doing craft projects. There's so many different podcasts that you can listen to while you're doing something else. And I I like to multitask that way Uh, better than watching TV. I can listen to something and then look at what I'm doing because when I watch TV I like to look at TV. Anyway, enough about me. Um, But we hope that you'll subscribe to our podcast. There are lots of different podcasting platforms. If you're an Apple person, you've already got one on your smart device. My husband has Stitcher on his phone. I happen to have Podcast Addict. You download some kind of podcasting platform maybe touch a plus or someplace to search for podcast. I typed in in legal terms in the search area. It brought up our show, and then you can touch the photo to subscribe, and you can be notified when there are any new episodes that are loaded up. This morning, we are talking about chance record with our guest, Judge Tom Odom. And where is chance record? Well, there are 20 around the state. So if your county doesn't have one, uh, then you're in a, a chancery court. Is Do you call it a region? What's the geographic term, Judge Odom? Chancery court district. District. You'll be in somebody else's district. Let's go to the phones. We've got Charles, who has called in from Clinton. Charles, thanks so much for calling in to In Legal Terms today. What's your comment or question? Uh, My comment is to thank the judge for being willing to serve as a judge. I know that um, lawyers and judges in general don't get much um, sympathy, uh, and and they should. I'm a retired physician, so I'm not a lawyer calling in to be sympathetic with another lawyer, but 
you know, over my four decades of practice, I've had at least four threats against my life uh, for something that uh, individuals did not uh, appreciate while I was trying to help a family member. I know that judges are dealing, and the chancery judge dealing with far, far more emotional uh, individuals, and we live in gun culture. And I know that I know that you talked about being safety, your, your safety in the courtroom with regard to the pandemic, and I know that the court has taken measures to be safe against uh, people who become emotionally overwrought in our gun culture. I just hope his boot camp uh, provided some guidance for what to do when he's away from the courtroom and that's that's my uh that's my comment uh, we appreciate what all the judges and the lawyers do here in the state thank you charles uh, we appreciate uh, our physicians thank you doctor uh, i really appreciate hearing that from a member of uh the the public someone who's not regularly in front of uh the court system but you're absolutely right uh, we are dealing with uh emotional topics and it's sometimes hard to control yourself uh, when dealing with children and land and, and other types of matters. And it is something that is always on our mind. It is an important topic that needs to be discussed, particularly since a chantry judge in Mississippi was shot earlier uh, this year, or if it was, it was late last year, it was very recently when it was uh, done. It's a real threat and we have families and uh, we have uh, concerns and uh, I'm glad to hear that members of the public are, are recognizing that so thank you for your comment and, and I'll add to what Charles said I, I think what people don't also don't realize Troy is that you were Troy Odom lawyer and uh, you know practicing lawyers partners and firms you know for the amount of time that you practiced you, you don't get a pay raise when you become a judge. You know, it's not a high-paying job. It is a, it's, a, it's public service. So, you know, so Troy Odom becomes Judge Odom, and, and it's, it really is. It's public service. It's not something – you're not doing it for the prestige or the money. And, we, you know, I'll, I'll echo, even though I am a, a lawyer, that we appreciate what you're doing. You know, you, you, you deal with those fraught issues in divorce. You also deal with probate issues, obviously – you know that that uh, someone has died in a family, and and now you you know have to help them with uh, people and property that, that that issues that arise out of that. Can you talk a little bit about uh, what is probate? Well, to put it in simple terms, it is a method of dealing with a person, a deceased person's property, and their debts uh, upon their death, so that it can be administered through the court system fairly and equitably. So whether you're dealing with a, an individual who dies with a last will and testament that specifically states where their property is to go, or whether you're dealing with somebody who did not die uh, with a last will and testament and their property is divided among their heirs, it's uh, a common occurrence, I'd say about 20% of the cases that come before the Chancery Court uh, deal with issues of probate. And and even though custody issues can be fraught with passion, it's amazing sometimes how passionate 
uh, siblings can get when dealing with the estate of a deceased parent. So, Well, Judge uh, Odom, I'll, that's almost exactly what this email we have is about. Uh, the, the question is, what is the process for becoming an executor for a relative who has left no will? My sister said she is searching for our late brother's creditors, canceling his mobile phone and other services while directing me to handle paperwork from his employer. That seems to be an executor's role, and I have no information about how she acquired the authority over his estate. What can I do to protect my interests? The Internet has a lot of unhappy stories about executors. Well, she raises a good point, and once someone dies, it's important to have a person who has the authority to deal on that person's uh, estate in a formal manner so that creditors know who to deal with and who has the authority to bind, and also so that uh, beneficiaries of that person's estate can know who it is. So the first step in an an estate uh, of a person that dies without a will is to file a petition in the Chancery Court to have someone named as the administrator of that intestate estate. Uh, The law states that uh, naturally a spouse or a child should be favored in making the decision as to who is going to be in charge. But the law also says that a creditor if nobody else steps up to administer an estate, then a creditor can and in order for that person's assets and debts to be uh, formally and uh, dispassionately uh, you know, divided amongst those who deserve to get it. So uh, she's right. There needs to be somebody, and there is a clear process uh, for that person to be established, and that is by filing a petition in the Chancery Court to have someone named. So in this particular email or situation, uh, the sister who was proactive uh, hopefully went ahead and what was the term you said? Filed what? Uh, filed a petition to uh, open the uh, the intestate estate, the, the estate of somebody that dies without a will. To which open. sounds like that's what the situation is in her situation, in her case. Now, if uh, the if the sister didn't do that, can the other sibling uh, do that themselves, or just to make sure can. that it that this, you know, you can't go back just to make sure that things going forward are done the right way. Right. Any what the law states is any interested party can apply to become the administrator or, or the person in charge of that person's estate. So uh, we, we favor spouses and siblings, but in, in certain cases, we've named creditors uh, as the administrator of the estate. So so long as they have an interest and can prove that interest to the court, any person can. And to file a, a petition, you go to the chancery clerk what you go to a website uh, if you don't want to go to a lawyer can you how do you can you do it yourself you are unable to do it yourself uh, when you are going to be serving in a fiduciary capacity which means that you are in charge of somebody else's 
stuff, uh, you must be represented by legal counsel. So you would need to talk with an attorney, and there are plenty of attorneys who are experienced in probate matters. You would have that attorney file a sworn petition in the Chantry clerk office. That case would then be assigned to a Chantry judge, and you can open the estate relatively easy and quickly once that petition is signed. Now, there are statutory waiting periods uh, during the probate process. For example, creditors are entitled to 90 days notice prior to being able to close the estate or adjudicate those creditor claims. But otherwise, it's a fairly expeditious process that can begun uh, shortly after a person's demise. And that creditor notification, that's where the filing uh, something in a newspaper happens? Yes, ma'am. The law states that if you know of a creditor, if you as the administrator uh, know that there are credit card companies or uh, long-distance telephone companies that, uh, that the decedent owed money to, you have to notify them in writing. And you have to file an affidavit stating that you notified those known creditors in writing. But then you also must publish for them in the state of Mississippi in the newspaper uh, where the estate is being probated. So the creditors can see, unknown creditors can uh, read the newspapers and see that a, a case has been opened. Judge, you mentioned uh, someone dying without a will and the appointment of an administrator. If, if someone writes a will, and I, I strongly encourage anyone listening to the program to think about this, if you write your will, though, you can choose your personal representative, your executor, your, your executrix, and, and the court will abide by that, that choice typically. Is that not right? Uh, typically so, so long as they qualify. You cannot be a convict of a felon. Uh, but so long as they qualify under the statutes, which are pretty lenient, then, uh, yes, then the wishes of the decedent are met as much as possible. And that's the reason I that's even— That's not—I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead I'm sorry, Professor. No, no, I was, I was going to say, so, you know, really, it, it makes your job easier if, if a, to, to administer a will— and, and for people to have thought about these things ahead of time. And, you know, we, we talk about estate planning a lot on the show. So I'm sorry. I just wanted to hammer that point that, you know, that at that point, uh, their wishes are effectuated by the court because they've told you what they are. But if you don't know what they are, then you have to use best guess, really. Yes, the law is very clear. It's sent down from the appellate courts to the trial courts. We are to effectuate the desires of the decedent as much and as best as possible. So now what, what about will contests? People that do have a will come to your court, uh, someone dies, and, and uh, somebody out there is not happy with the will and they want to bring a contest. Do those take place in your court as well? They do, and that is actually the one type of case that we talked about earlier where if you desire a jury, you are entitled to a jury to determine the question and only the question of is it or is it not a valid will so 
I've got a number of uh, will contests that have come before the Chancery Court here in Rankin County. I always enjoy those types of cases because it's, uh, it's always an intellectual challenge uh, to decide those and uh, they're exciting and um, but yeah that's absolutely the type of case uh, that would come before us and if you've got a will contest professor just let me know and we'll impanel a jury for you judge odom does mississippi have a widow's portion law I, I know other states if a spouse doesn't leave enough percentage of an estate to the the widow or the widower then they can invoke like a widow's portion and a third goes to the widow does mississippi have anything like that and is that contesting a will if I'm not mistaken, Professor Gershon actually teaches a, a state at the University of Mississippi School of Law, so he will know better. But in general terms, uh, a widow is entitled to a child share if there is not a will. Uh, if the widow is left out or disinherited from a will, there is a statutory procedure that widow can do, or widower. It's, non, it's gender neutral in order to obtain a child share uh, from the uh, the estate of the decedent. So the Mississippi courts and the legislature have been very careful to protect the rights of widows and widowers to make sure that they cannot be disinherited unless they so choose to be. Now, how does someone get to have this uh, uh, illustrative, not quite high-paying chancery judgeship? I'm going to tell you next. This is In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, you get information about foods you should eat to stay in good health and tips on how to stay active. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, host of Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit and Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Listen to the show every Monday at 11 or subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy with your preferred podcasting app. for being a part of In Legal Terms with us. If you've missed any of our program, you can listen to the whole show, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. It's also available on the MPB Public Media app, as are all our local shows. I'm Liz Gill, here with Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. Up next, hang on, is our 11 a.m. Tuesday Southern Remedy Show, Relatively Speaking, with Dr. Susan Buttress. Judges in Mississippi, chancery courts are elected every four years in a nonpartisan election. Judges are required to have five years' experience as a practicing attorney to be at least 26 years old. 
and to have lived in Mississippi for at least five years and to live within the court's district. We're talking with Judge Tom Odom about the Chancery Court. We have a couple of phone calls. Let's go to Robert, who has called in from Hattiesburg. Robert, thank you so much for being part of In Legal Terms today. Go ahead. Well, thanks for taking my call, Liz, and hello, Judge and Professor Gershon. I've got a question that relates to the judges. Uh, Chancery Courts have such a broad um, variety of cases from real estate to probate to uh, family law. Um, how is it that judges ha- are experienced enough to handle all those cases? Um, other states have specific family law judges in courts. Uh, that's the one. And, and then also, what's the appellate process? What, what happens if you get a ruling that you don't agree with? What's the next step after Chancery Court in Mississippi? Well, that's a great question, and I can tell you this. Uh, I am passionate about the study of the law, and it's thanks to people like Professor Gershon and the other professors there at the University of Mississippi School of Law uh, that that kind of fed me with that passion. So uh, luckily, it is a, a desire of mine to learn as much about my uh, jurisdictional areas of law as possible. Uh, luckily, uh, we're not as special. We, we're not as uh, generalized as some other ca- uh, courts, where they hear everything from felony criminal matters to uh, domestic relation matters in states like Texas. Uh, so, uh, thankfully, uh, the area of practice I believe is is narrow enough here in the Chancery Courts that I feel comfortable knowing that I have a a solid foundation. Of, of any matter that could possibly come before uh, me in this court. As far as the appellate process, uh, we have a Supreme Court in the state of Mississippi, and we have a Court of Appeals in the state of Mississippi. And being a constitutional-level trial court, uh, an appeal from the Chantry Court uh, in the state of Mississippi goes directly up to the Mississippi Supreme Court. It goes uh, to has no other stops. It goes directly up there, and the Supreme Court will then make the determination on whether to decide the case itself on appeal, or to send it to the Mississippi Court of Appeals to decide it. So that's the the general route of any appeal from this court is. I see. Thank you very much. Is there any data on the number of uh, cases that are appealed? Gosh, there there is data. The Supreme Court of the state of Mississippi and the Administrative Office of Courts keeps tight rein, uh, or I shouldn't say tight rein, but yes, they keep that data. It is public, and it is probably viewable on the Mississippi Supreme Court okay. website. I don't know the number of cases that are appealed or the number of cases that are decided by either court. Uh, I've seen that information in the past. I just can't remember it off the top of my head, but it's readily available on the website, if I'm not mistaken. Thanks. That's been very helpful. Thank Thank you very much. Yes, sir. Carolyn, I'm sorry we will not get a chance to get to your call, but if you email our show, legalterms at mpbonline.org, we will forward your email to Judge Troy Odom, who has been our our guest today. Um, so what does the rest of your day look like, Judge Odom? 
today is uh, luckily a, a two-day trial that was in front of my court settled yesterday, which means that I had a little bit of time on my docket today to not only do the, the radio show, but also to prepare for an in-depth, complicated two-day case that begins tomorrow. So I'm thankful for the opportunity, and I'm sure the uh, the attorneys and the and the litigants themselves appreciate the opportunity for me to uh, have uh, to be able to prepare fully for their case that begins tomorrow. So that's what I'll be doing. I'll be on the desk researching and uh, looking at pleadings and getting ready to uh, administer justice. And Professor Gershon, all those little kiddos, I've been seeing the back to school Facebook posts. God bless you. <laughs> well, our uh, no kidding. My daughter is going to be teaching in Rankin County, so hope hope she doesn't end up in front of your court anytime soon. But. <laughs> well, we're blessed to have her, and I hope I never see her <laughs> outside of inside of the court. That's going to wrap us up for today's In Legal Terms. Thank you, Java Chapman, for being our call screener today. Thank you, Jay White, for being our engineer. And for Professor Richard Gershon, who hosts from the University of Mississippi School of Law, I'm Liz Gill. We do hope that you'll join us next Tuesday for In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.